With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Metro News, the voice of West Virginia, this is West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence. You'll have big fish, well, you'll have several big fish to run pretty close to 10 pounds. This vehicle's actually been rolled over more than once. I'll try not to add to that legacy today, if you don't mind. Most of your blood trail dogs, for the most part, they're dash hounds, wiener dogs. Some people use labs, some people use pit bulls, but for the most part, on leash is a wiener dog. West Virginia's only outdoor radio show, proudly presented by the Hatfield McCoy Trails. With over 600 miles of ATV trails located in the rich mountains of southern West Virginia. And now, here's West Virginia's voice of the outdoors, Chris Lawrence. Well, howdy, 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 and welcome in to West Virginia Outdoors on what feels like the first day of fall, finally. Good heavens. Somebody shut off the thermostat Thursday night, and Friday felt like it ought to feel on a Friday Friday afternoon, Friday night in October. And uh, believe me, I was not complaining as I uh, was at the ball game last night, and it finally felt like we should be playing some football instead of uh, baking in the hot sun. Welcome in, though, to West Virginia Outdoors. Uh, it is your only hunting and fishing radio show on the radio in West Virginia. Glad to have you uh, in listening wherever you might be, whether you're on one of our fantastic affiliate stations across the state or if you're tuned in online at wvmetronews.com. However you pick up the show, we are glad to have you along. And no matter where you're listening from, whether it be in the confines of the Great Mountain State or parts unknown outside of the state's borders, we're glad to have you and we're glad that you choose to spend part of your Saturday morning to get your weekend going right here with us. I try not to disappoint you. I have quite a few things to talk about today, some really cool interviews, and we're literally going to be all over the map with today's program. First off, have you ever heard of a tiger trout? Well, yeah, they're a thing, and the DNR is looking to engage in a program to produce more of them for stocking in West Virginia. We'll talk to Jim Hedrick, who's the Hatchery Manager's Program, uh, Hatchery, Ma Hatchery Programs Manager, uh, about that. I caught up with him at National Hunting and Fishing Days. He had several of them on display, and we talked about that. Then I went fishing with our good buddy uh, uh, Larry Nybert of the West Virginia Experience down the New River. We'll hear what he had to say. If you thought that the drought conditions were impacting fishing on the New River, you would be mistaken. It probably has never been better, at least in the last decade, for catching multiple numbers of fish on the New River. So we'll talk to Larry about that. I uh, interviewed him during our fishing trip. And then a really cool story about a young lady from Greenbrier County who is going to be uh, trying to be part of a team that will try to break a national or, or break a world record for the most sporting clays broken 
in a 12-hour period. Michaela Scott from White Sulphur Springs has qualified to be part of that uh, four uh, of a team of four teenagers and one adult who will try to break this record coming up on October 12th. But that's only part of Michaela's story. We'll tell you more about that when we uh, talk to her a little bit later on. And then you may or may not have heard about this. There has been a snakehead caught in the Monongahela River. Now, it was not caught in West Virginia. It was caught in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania uh, Fish and Boating Commission confirming that but if it was in the Pennsylvania water, then obviously it has access to West Virginia waters. That is a definite concern. This invasive species now coming up in a watershed where it's not been found before. Mark Scott will join us. He's the uh, head of fisheries for the DNR. And I, I, I need to apologize to him in advance. I actually woke him up this morning. <laughs> I forgot to call him yesterday, so I thought this is a pretty important story. I wanted to get him on, so I rolled him out of bed, but I did let him go back to sleep for about a half hour. So he'll join us late in the program, and we will talk about that. Speaking of fishing, I was asked to pass this along to you if you're in the Kanawha Valley today. The Ark of the Three Rivers will be providing a day of fishing fun and outdoors for individuals who have disabilities. It's the second annual Reel With Us fishing event, and that's going to be at Ridenour Lake in Nitro today at it started at 9 this morning, and it runs to 1 o'clock, and there will be volunteers on site to help provide a safe and welcoming environment to anyone with disabilities. There will be a cookout. They've got raffles going on. So uh, if you uh, have a disability or know someone with a disability, you're certainly invited to be part of that fishing event because everybody likes to fish, and that's at uh, Riding Our Lake down in nitro also i've also uh, gotten a couple of uh, entries in but we're looking for more in our ram trucks trophy photo contest that is uh, now back up and running again and every month we're going to give away a great prize pack from the folks at ram trucks uh from all of the entries there will just be a random drawing one a month between now and february so the sooner you get your pictures into me the sooner that you'll be in the drawing for the raffle or not the raffle, but for the uh, from compu- it's a computer generated drawing. I probably should point that out. It's uh, it's randomly selected by the computer. We have nothing to do with it. But if you have sent us a picture and entered uh, the contest, then you are entered to win. It's on the outdoors page of wvmetronews.com. You need to follow the rules. We ask that you send a tasteful photo. Don't have a bunch of blood, or we can't post it. Uh, but uh, clean up your. If you get a nice buck or if you catch a nice fish, clean it up a little bit. This is a picture that you want to uh, to have forever. You want it to be a really nice photo. So there's some guidelines there on how to do that and what you need to look for as you're posing and uh, and uh, composing that picture that you're going to send to us, and it'll be one that you'll want to keep forever anyway. So uh, send it to us, and also it doesn't matter to us if it's a gigantic buck or if it's a doe. Heck, I don't care. If it meant something to you, send it to us because that makes it a trophy, and it's the Ram Trophy Photo Contest. contest. So send it in. You can do so via the outdoors page of wvmetronews.com. Click on the uh, enter, enter the, enter your photo there. And also you can just check out the gallery while you're there as well. Like I said, we've gotten several and it doesn't have to be a deer, by the way. It can be a deer. It can be a fish. It can be whatever you pursued and, uh, and tracked down. So, uh, we hope you'll participate and good luck to you. Hope that you're one of the winners as well. Like I said, tons to talk about today on the show. We'll get it all started in a moment right after this. The leaves are falling and the Hatfield McCoy trails are calling, calling you to get out and get on the Hatfield McCoy trail system. West Virginia annual resident permits are only $26.50. So don't wait. Go online today to trailsheaven.com or see a Hatfield McCoy trails retailer and head for the hills. And don't forget HMT's Barawalla off-road park for Jeeps, Hummers, and full-size off-road vehicles. Hatfield McCoy Trails, your ticket to ATV Paradise. 
In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. At RBC Wealth Management, they work with you to plan for your financial future with their unique Wealth Plan analysis. Wealth Plan helps you prioritize goals, identify ways to maximize your resources, and determine the best way to achieve those goals for a comfortable retirement. No matter where you are on your financial path, let RBC help you bring your goals to life. Call 800-950-3421 for a complimentary consultation. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. The Peyton Law Firm, Tom and Harvey, remind you that hunting is a good way to cement father-son relationships. And fathers should always remind sons of all the safety rules. Point the gun away from people. Hunt with a partner. Wear blaze orange. However, hunting accidents do happen, as they do every day on the highway. If a careless driver breaks the rules and hits you, call Tom and Harvey. They'll hunt down the offender and get justice. Compensation for you. Peyton Law Firm online at PeytonLawFirm.com. Walker Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hurricane has quickly become the number one selling car and truck dealer in West Virginia. Many dealerships have made that claim, but there can be only one number one, and that one is in Hurricane. The Walker method is so straightforward it may shock you. Friendly service, honest and fair deals, and a huge selection of inventory. Walker's lot is packed with over 300 new Chryslers, Dodges, Jeeps, and Rams in stock, and there are more arriving daily. So now is a great time to upgrade your old ride. Need a new truck? Walker can handle that with the ultra-tough Ram with a Cummins diesel. And if a Jeep is more your style, there's a huge selection of Cherokee, Latitude, Compass, Wrangler, and more. If you're looking for a deal, now's the time. Just make that short 20-minute drive from Charleston or Huntington to take advantage of great deals on all Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram vehicles at Walker Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Hurricane. Making friends one deal at a time. The longest-running public affairs program from television is also on the radio. Tune in for Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, Sundays at noon on The Voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS. Meet the Press is an hour-long show featuring interviews from politicians and world leaders who make news and policy in Washington and around the globe. Issues and scandals are reviewed and discussed in deep detail, which reveals nuance often missing from headline news. Meet the Press, Sundays at noon on The Voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS. West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence, Saturday at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. Presented by the Peyton Law Firm, Harvey and Tom, protecting your rights online at PeytonLawFirm.com. We're back on West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you, and we've got a lot to talk about today. One of the things that caught my interest as I was at National Hunting and Fishing Days a couple of weeks ago was a display that the uh, DNR's fisheries folks had out of tiger trout in a tank, something that they are they have produced in the past, but apparently they're pretty difficult to produce. However, they've decided to uh, take another run at it. Jim Hedrick is the uh, hatchery, hatchery program's manager for the DNR, and I talked to him about the tiger trout efforts. Tell me about the uh, the tiger trout. I don't know that 
we're real familiar with them in West Virginia, but you all do occasionally raise a few of these. Uh, we, we do. Uh, originally in West Virginia, we, we originally started raising them uh, a few clear back as far as the 60s. Uh, and then in, we stocked uh, several more through, uh, throughout the 80s, but then we kind of got away from them for a few years. They're very difficult to raise. I take a lot of staff time to do that. Uh, we do have a few back on station now that uh, we're kind of doing some experiments with. Uh, so we're, we're looking to maybe, uh, uh, you know, as a novelty, stock a few around the state in, in some of our larger streams. What exactly are they? Are they a variation of the rainbow or the brown or what? what are they their own standalone species? Well, the tiger trout is actually a cross between the book and brown trout. Okay. And it has happened, uh, it can happen naturally, uh, where you have a lot of brooks and browns spawning together. It just doesn't happen in West Virginia typically. Uh, but obviously in a the hatchery, then you can control that. And, and uh, we normally would spawn uh, a, a female brown trout with a male brook trout uh, to get this particular hybrid. You mentioned that it takes a lot of man hours and it's difficult to rear these in the hatchery. What makes it so difficult? Well, what makes it so hard is because uh, the brook and brown trout are quite different from one another. Uh, when you cross them, uh, they actually have different numbers of chromosomes. One has 80 chromosomes and the other one has 84. And when you do that particular cross, because those chromosomes don't match up well, you end up with a lot of, uh, you have reduced hatch of the eggs and then you also have a lot of mortality uh, when the fish are very small. And obviously in the hatchery, uh, you can't have any, uh, you know, fish that have passed away in, in with uh, the fish that are living. So the staff has to pick all those fish out of there. So it takes an extensive amount of time, a lot of care uh, to get only a few fish. Now, and, and they've got the unusual markings and unusual colorations. Kind of talk a little about about the ones you have here on display. What they are, They're very unique looking. They are very unique. I mean, they get their, their name, the tiger trout, from the, the tiger-type pattern on the sides of, uh, of the fish. And, and you know, it reminds you a lot of a brook trout pattern from uh, what a brook trout would have normally up on, his, on, on the back, up on the dorsal side. But in the case of the tiger trout, you see that pattern uh, way down the fish, almost clear to a stomach. You see that really uh, unique pattern. Very, very, uh, very unique, uh, very pretty fish. Mm -hmm. And some of them have different coloration. You can actually see some of the the brook trout color in there, some of the red, the yellow, on uh, not in a great abundance, but you can see the the traces of that lineage in there. You, you do, and you know they get a lot of the yellow from the brown trout. And uh, one unique thing that you'll you also notice on them is uh, they'll they'll have that leading edge fin will be white like the brook trout on on a couple of their fins, but not so much on those fins up front. They they tend not to have it up there, but they do on the other fins that the brown trout doesn't have. A brook trout characteristic. What uh, what started you back working on these? I mean, I hadn't heard of these really ever, and and now you're uh, you're featuring them. What what started this? Well, we, we were able to uh, uh, Virginia uh, Department of Game and Inland Fisheries are are raising them in Virginia and stocking them, and we work closely with hatcheries around the country, and it's kind of cooperative uh, situation. They had uh, eggs in surplus, so they were willing to share them with us, and now we're actually uh, going to help them do a little bit of experimentation uh, on them as far as growth and hatch rates. Uh, really working to try to make it uh, more feasible uh, you know in, in in the future to raise these for uh, you know states that want to stock them and and uh and put them out for anglers is a unique fish. Will you all be stocking any of these in any great numbers in the coming years? Well, we're hoping we're hoping to stock them just in in uh, a few numbers. Uh, where they're never going to be great numbers; they're just mm -hmm. they're just too difficult uh, to raise. But it will create a unique fishing opportunity. And the thing with the tiger trout is, 
is they're they're sterile. So uh, we put them somewhere we don't have to really worry about them ever, uh, you know, conflicting with wild populations. Of course, we wouldn't put them near wild populations really anyway. Uh, but you know, that way we wouldn't have to worry about them conflicting. You don't have to worry about them reproducing. So they would live their life and uh, either get caught right away or, or live their life and then and then pass away on their own. Now you mentioned the fact that you all have raised these dating back as far as the '60s. You've got one uh, one monster sitting up there on top of the tank on display. Tell me the story of that fish. Okay, well the the one on the the tank here is is an unofficial world record. He's 21 pounds. Uh, the um, as far as I know, the, the still the the remaining world record uh, came from Lake Michigan um, uh, years ago, and it was 20 pound. And we had uh, some tiger trout at our Edray Hatchery. We just held on to them in a tank to show visitors when they came, just as display. And we had this particular fish for it came six or eight years old, or or something like that. And and I started to it rest his lifespan started to get fungus and and uh, started to kind of kind of look like it was going to pass away. So they took that fish and uh, mounted it so we could uh, show it on display for everybody. And it was 21 pounds, so that would be a new world record if it was caught on hook and line. Yeah, so the unofficial world record from West Virginia, but it was never caught. It was never caught. And, or, exactly. or, and never stocked. So. And it never stocked for that matter. But yes, it would have been, if it would have been stocked and caught, it would have been It would have been 21 pounds, which would have uh, which would have been a world record. So it's world record size. Interesting stuff. Where, where are you doing this work? Which which hatchery? Well, right now, uh, we're, we're raising them at the Edre Hatchery uh, right now they they uh, raise a lot of brown trout there as well and uh, they have enough space uh, to do that right now so we've designated uh, a little area for that for some experimentation and uh, we're working with them there good deal Jim Hedrick with the West Virginia DNR Hatcheries, Man Hatcheries Programs Manager talking about the tiger trout there. We've got more to come. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Show us what you got in the annual Ram Trophy Photo Contest. Send us a picture documenting your hunting and fishing success story. If you killed a nice buck or you got a trophy-sized fish, we'd love to see it and help you show it off to the world at our website, wbmacronews.com. Now, size doesn't matter. If it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. So go to the outdoors page of wbmacronews.com, click the Ram Trophy Room icon, and submit your pictures. We'll have four monthly prizes drawn randomly from all entrants. From Ram Trucks and Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Beneath the mountains, the air is cool, but that's not what is chilling your soul. There is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> Experience true terror during the Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours. There is no escaping the Haunted Cave and the Cursed Corn Patch. Tickets are $17. The Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours every Saturday in October, 7 to 11 p.m. Riverton, West Virginia. More info at SenecaCaverns.com. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. In most cases, when you go hunting, you'll have to travel some distance to get to your favorite spot. Now we know you'll be careful, but what about the distracted driver who slams into you, causing injuries and damage? You deserve compensation. You need the Peyton Law Firm. You need Tom and Harvey. Their research and over 60 years of experience mean a head start toward a successful ending. The Peyton Law Firm. Tom and Harvey. Online at PeytonLawFirm.com. 
580 WCHS presents informative programming every weekend. On Sundays, tune in for headline news out of Washington with Meet the Press and ABC This Week. The Best in Talk Radio continues on Now It's the News, the military veterans show front lines of freedom, Sunday Sports Line, ABC World News, and Planetary Science Radio. Find the complete programming schedule at wchsnetwork.com slash programs. On Sundays, like every day, we are your information station, the voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS. New message. Your social security number has been suspended. If you do not contact us, your account will be deactivated. Scammers are aggressive when they contact a potential victim. Social Security Administration employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent and you should just hang up. Don't provide any personal or financial information to these thieves. Call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt Pure Love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Live 80 Live weekday mornings at 9 is presented in part by Gresham Plumbing and Heating Supply. Visit the new state-of-the-art location at 703 West Washington Street, just past Edgewood Drive. We're back on West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you. Coming up, Mark Scott's going to join us and talk about the discovery of a snakehead in the... Uh, Monongahela River up in Pennsylvania, and uh, that'll be coming up a little bit later on. Right now, though, tremendous story. 16-year-old Michaela Scott of White Sulphur Springs later this month will be in Kansas as part of a team trying to shoot for a world record. I got a chance to talk to her about that, but what I discovered in talking to her is her story is much, much deeper than just breaking sporting clays. So we're going to be trying to break the most clay targets in 12 hours by team. And what is that record currently? 44,652, I think. Okay, and what and what are you all trying to, to... What do you want to set the record at? We're wanting to go above and beyond with this. We're wanting to break over 10,000 targets. Wow. 10,000 <laughs> targets in 12 hours. Yes, sir. You, sh- you sure your shoulder's ready for that? Oh, yeah, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, whose idea was this to try and break this record? they had thought about it a few months ago they were just thinking you know it'd be awesome to have a group to, of kids to break that record and they just they just put it um is cz usa and david miller now david miller is the shotgun manager for cz usa and that's that's the uh sponsor that you the sponsor of you uh, with with shotguns correct yes sir okay and how did you get selected to be part of this team? How, was there a was there a trial you had to shoot in? Yes, sir. There was um, basically there was a qualifier at the SCTP Nationals this summer. Now, what? Class- well, back up. What does SCTP stand for? Uh, Scholastic Clay Target Program. And you're a part of that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Continue. So they had that back in the summer. Yes, sir. And um, I'm trying to think. Sorry. <laughs> Basically, they had a trial of 50 targets, and you had to write an essay after of what shotgun sports means to you. 
And they said combined with um, my score and the essay that I was qualified along with um, there is, let me look it up real quick. There's a girl, crap, crap, crap. But anyway, there's kids, there's um, three other kids from all around the United States. Mm-hmm. You're the only one from West Virginia though, right? Yes, sir. All right. And where's this going to be held? This is going to be held in Lenexa, Kansas. Is that where CZ is headquartered? Uh, Lenex- or they're actually headquartered in um, Kansas City. Okay. Well, Lenexa's right outside of Kansas City. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, so... So, so there were two from the from the uh, Scholastic Clay Target organization. What was the other organization you were telling me that the, they took a boy and a girl from there, and you were one of those? You were the girl of that, and then the boy and a girl from the other organization. Yes, sir. The um, American Trap Association. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah. And then the the four of you, and and will David Miller be shooting as well? Yes, sir. So it'd be one adult, and you four youth will be shooting for this record. Yes, sir. So. What? How long? How many shots do you think it's going to take uh, that you're going to have to take to be part of this and break the record of uh, well, break the record of 4,600, but also to get to 10,000 clay targets in 12 hours? Oh my goodness! Well, we've actually did the math, and it's um, we'll be shooting. Let's see, four targets every 26 seconds. So. <laughs> so it'll that's the way it's going to work. It's just going to be nonstop, all of you shooting nonstop for 12 hours? Absolutely. We have, um, if we're doing good, we have five-minute five breaks every 25 minutes. Okay. But um, we'll probably have to, since the type of shots these are, we'll probably have to shoot over 2,000 other ones Yeah. without hitting. Yeah, you got to allow for okay. some misses in there. Right, right. Can't, can your shotgun handle, can you do this all with one gun, or are you going to have to get a, a different barrel? Oh, yeah, I believe that will be perfect with one gun. See, this is, um, the gun we'll be using is a CZ-1012, mm-hmm. which um, they're trying to promote through this. It's actually on 1012. We're starting at 1012 on the 12th of October. So, it, I mean, I've shot it. I've been practicing with it, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing gun, and it hasn't broke yet. So, so it's an op- it's an opportunity for CZ then to show off the, uh, the 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 ability of this gun to to last. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I mean. That's what their guns are made for, you know. And mm-hmm. I've not had any, any problems out of any of their guns. So it was it's pretty much perfect, honestly. <laughs> Fantastic. That does sound like a great promotion and a great opportunity for you as well, because I know that shooting sports are pretty special to you because they. They brought you to a different place in your life. Kind of go back and tell us your story because it's pretty compelling. Uh, well, I started out my life, it really wasn't the best. I was born into a family of drug addicts. And um, then my mother died when I was about six of a drug overdose. And everything just kind of went down from the hill from there. But at nine years old, I was finally adopted by my awesome parents, Telford and Melissa Scott. But still, even then, I had no confidence. I tried everything, and I just thought I was a failure at life, basically. And, I mean, I tried softball, basketball, everything, and I just didn't like anything, ever. And then my brother and my dad introduced shooting sports, 
And whenever that first clay broke, it was just like magic. I just felt a confidence that I'd never had before. Wow. So it was your dad and your brother then that, that took you to the range and said, give this a try. Yes. Yeah. Have you, now, had you ever been hunting before? they ever taken you hunting before? Oh, yeah. I've been hunting. Um, well, first, I kind of started out more just rifle hunting, which, mm -hmm. honestly, I was never that good at. <laughs> but afterwards, we actually started get, getting a lot more into hunting, like doves. We actually went on a hunt to Kansas with um, CZUSA, a pheasant hunt, mm -hmm. which is really cool. So, uh, otherwise, we had hunted. Yeah, we've hunted a good bit. So the shotgun was was what you gravitated toward. The rifle just wasn't your thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Rifle, I mean, it's just never really been my thing, I think. So you started, I guess that after that, you started shooting competitively. Is that correct? Yeah. It, after about a year, a year of training, I mean, I would train constantly because that's what I loved. I just fell in love with it. So we started competing, and... It was amazing. I loved it so much. I loved the competition and the friends I made. Because the people in this sport are, are a lot different from other sports in my eyes. It seems like there's a lot of jealousy that goes on in a lot of sports, even with the parents. And in this one, it seems like everyone's always trying to help in some way. That's fantastic. And you're yeah. you're to be commended for, for overcoming... Uh, such odds, and I'm I'm sure that your story is one that you try to share, and and uh, especially with with other people that might be in your very same situation, that there's always hope. Yes, because that exactly because I needed that light as a kid, and especially kids whenever in my situation, mm -hmm. because there's so many that people don't see. There's so much going on behind closed doors that people don't understand, but that one little hope can change the world for a kid. That's fantastic. Do you ever get opportunities to share with, with people in similar situations and try to say, hey, I, I know how you're feeling because I was there once? I believe so, but I haven't gotten to directly just with, I haven't gotten the mm -hmm. chance, you know? Right. I've done a few different news things or articles, but you know, not directly, and I'd really like to. I, That's my dream. I just want to reach out to every kid, especially in West Virginia. I just want to give them hope. Yeah. How old are you, Michaela? I'm 16. You're 16. So what are your plans after you finish up with your high school studies? Do you go on to college, or what do you do? Yeah, basically, I'm hoping to be able to shoot for a college, actually. There's lots of college teams that have shotgun sports. Um, basically, I'm hoping to earn a scholarship desperately because otherwise I know that we could never afford to go to college. I have four other siblings. So. <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way, Michaela. <laughs> oh. Well, congratulations to you, and we'll keep an eye on your progress, particularly with this uh, world record you're trying to be a part of. That'll be You'll be shooting that on October 12th, correct? Because it's 10-12 it's with the 10-12, right? <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Oh, Michaela, uh, Michaela Scott, uh, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, and good luck to you. Thank you so much. You're certainly welcome. How about that? There's a story that will brighten your day on this Saturday morning.
Michaela Scott. You can read more about her plans for, for the future and where she came from in a story posted now at WVMatronews.com on the Outdoors page. We'll be back in a moment to talk about fishing right after this. There are some who'd like for us to imagine a world without coal-based electricity. Okay, then, let's see what that would look like. Without coal-based power plants, we wouldn't have reliable electricity. Electricity prices would rise, local communities would lose jobs, and our national economy would suffer. So, yes, we can imagine a world without coal, and it's a pretty scary place to be. Fact is, we need coal-based electricity for reliable power, for affordable energy, for strong jobs that contribute to a stronger U.S. economy, for global competitiveness. That's why coal-based electricity is such an important part of our energy solutions, now and for many years to come. Coal is West Virginia. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. I do my best when I feel safe and inspired to learn. That's a school board thing. I want better opportunities than my parents had. That's the school board thing. We need to prepare students for the jobs of the future. That's a school board thing. Let's pay teachers like the professionals they are. That's the school board thing. School boards transform communities. Text SCHOOL to 225568 to learn about school board meetings. That's SCHOOL to 225568 to learn more from XQ. Message and data rates may apply. Were you born from 1945 to 1965? People born during these years are five times more likely to have hepatitis C, but most people don't know they are infected. So even if you try to eat right, exercise, and take care of yourself, you can still have hepatitis C a serious liver disease that often has no symptoms. In fact, people can live with hepatitis C for decades without feeling or looking sick. But over time, hepatitis C can cause serious health problems, including liver damage, liver failure, or even liver cancer. Getting tested is the only way to know if you're infected with hepatitis C. That's why the CDC recommends everyone born from 1945 to 1965 Get a blood test for hepatitis C. Treatments are available that can cure this disease. So talk to your doctor about getting tested. It could save your life. A message from the CDC. 911, what is your emergency? My kid shot himself. All right, where's the wounds? 911, what's your emergency? Please help. My son shot his brother. 911, what is your emergency? 911, please state your emergency. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. It wasn't locked! It wasn't locked! It wasn't locked! Learn how to make your home safer at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. West Virginia Outdoors brought to you locally by Rodney Loftus and Son Contracting, West Virginia's demolition experts. Coming up in a moment, Mark Scott, the Assistant Chief of Fisheries at the West Virginia DNR, will join us. I'm going to drag him back out of bed to talk a little bit about the snakehead that was caught on the uh, Monongahela River in Pennsylvania uh, a few weeks ago. We'll uh, we'll talk to him about what impact that could have on West Virginia, because obviously if it was in the 
river in Pennsylvania. It could be in the river in West Virginia. So we'll talk about that with Mark. A couple of weeks ago, though, I had an opportunity to do one of the things I most love to do, and that's take a float trip fishing down the New River with my good buddy Larry Nybert of the uh, West Virginia Experience. And shockingly, even though we've got drought conditions, the fishing was on fire. A lot of people think that because there hasn't been a lot of rainfall that that's going to hurt the fishing. That couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, there's definitely less water. And the old adage goes, you know, it's easier to catch a fish out of a bucket. And the bucket has definitely gotten smaller as the seasons went on. Um, we simply changed our tactics a little bit. A lot of fishing services and guides, they'll simply focus on the banks. We simply pulled off the banks and focused more on the channels and actually the moving water. A lot more oxygen in the water out there, a lot more food, water's a little cooler, and, and we're getting a lot more strikes out there. That is a foreign concept to a lot of fishermen because you made a point during the day today that when you're a bank fisherman, you throw it as far out toward the middle as you can. When you're fishing out of a boat or a raft, you're in the middle trying to throw it back toward the bank. Somewhere in there has got to be the sweet spot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's your job as a guide to find that sweet spot, whether you've been out there fishing for one season or, like me, for 29 years, you, you've got to figure that out. People pay you to figure that out. And what we've learned over the years is, is more oxygen is not necessarily a bad thing. When the water's low, especially, simply size down, do a lot more dead sticking. Now, there's the, there's the thing, dead sticking. Explain to the folks what that means. We've done that a lot today. I've learned a lot about it. I thought I knew what it was. I really had no idea what it was. But explain how you dead stick for, for fish in, in these conditions. Well, uh, you get a lot of clients, a lot of fig, uh, people that come fishing with us that like to throw a lot of uh, jerk baits, maybe, or uh, crank baits or spinner baits. And a lot of them bless their heart they really don't understand that there is a right way and a wrong to fish these baits just like there is anywhere else or any any way else but what we do a lot of times is try to focus on the soft plastics something get out along the edges of the current flip certain soft plastics or certain jigs out or maybe even a soft plastic jerk bait called a fluke and we soak it we simply uh, open the bale let it go to the bottom and simply bounce it along the bottom and let the fish pick it up and let the fish set the pace. Hard thing for you to learn to do if your favorite way of fishing is crankbait, spinnerbait, jerkbait, beating along the banks in two and a half to three feet of water and getting reaction strikes because these aren't necessarily reaction strikes you're getting. A lot of times they'll pick it up and you won't even know they're there. Well, what you're going to get if you focus on crankbaits and spinnerbaits a lot of this time of year under these conditions is you're going to get that high percentage fish, okay? By simply moving out off the banks, you're doing something that nobody else is doing. You have to have a different tool in your toolbox when you do that. So that's what we've learned over the last 15 or 20 years when, when we do get the opportunity to fish in that smaller bucket as we have today, is to do a lot of dead sticking, get out there and simply just soak it, soak it, soak it. Sure, you're going to lose some baits. Sure, you got to have some patience. But the fish numbers today have shown why we do it. Yeah, we've caught about, what, 80 today in that neighborhood, three yeah. of us in the boat? Yeah, we're just over 80. Yeah. Um, so so we're actually doing pretty good, and we've got a little over an hour to go. And we got a couple of them in the boat that were 16, 17 inches, and that, for, for September, that's a pretty good-sized fish. Oh, that's an excellent fish. Those fish were probably two, two and a half pounds. I mean, you're always looking for that uh, quintessential 20-inch smallmouth, but it doesn't happen every day. So uh, whatever the good Lord blesses us with, we're going to take and be happy and go to the house. How hard is it to teach people to do with the dead sticking that we were talking about? If you bring someone out here 
who has never fished before, I, I don't think that it's the the first thing you try to teach them about fishing. But if you if you have some experience, you can learn it in the course of a day. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you've done pretty well with it. It was your first time trying it, and you probably well, I've done it. I just didn't call it dead sticking. I didn't really <laughs> understand the concept because most of the time this is this would be what you do in a in a lake, mm -hmm. uh, fishing deep with a. Carolina rig or, or some deep diving jig that you're working. It's kind of the same thing except you're doing it in, a, in an environment where you've got a lot of current and that, that changes it just a bit. Well, we do, a, we do a lot of backwards fishing. What we call backwards fishing as guides here on the New River where instead of throwing towards the bank you will sit in the outside of edge of an eddy, throw a 45 upstream and quarter away as a fly fisherman would call it. And basically, I picked it up from my uncle and my father years ago, drifting Helgamites and softshell crawfish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, years on, as I became a so-called professional guide here on the New River, I added that, that little bit of uh, technique to uh, soft plastic jigs. Takes a while to figure it out because a lot of people think that that technique won't work unless you've got live bait, that you need something live that's going to attract them. But really, in the current, artificial and live, if they're moving fast enough, the fish really can't even distinguish them until he hits it. And a lot of times in the faster current, the fish is going to hook itself. Mm -hmm. They figure that that food's going to get away, and as many fish as there are in the river, they really have to pound it, and they hook themselves. Like I have said, though, they haven't been tearing the rod out of our hands today, but we've almost consistently, about every third cast, you'll have a bite of some kind. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. You have to keep casting. You have to come with an open mind that you don't know at all, and when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Now, about the weather, it has been miserably hot today as it has been all month long. I mean, we've, we've probably crossed 90 a time or two today. And in the sun, it is just, it, 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 it'll eat you up. So where we have found the fish has been they have gone deeper where the water is cooler. And naturally, you'll find a shady bank. And not only will that be the comfortable place for you to fish, that's probably where the fish are going to be. Oh, absolutely. It's a little harder to keep the boat out there. But uh, you're going to get out of it what you what you put in it. So simply sit out on that edge, 45 that bait upstream. You know, do a controlled drift, get it down where you need to be, and have a good sensitive rod. A lot of folks that we take fishing, uh, they'll bring really light action stuff. Mm -hmm. But if, if we're having a successful day dead sticking with jigs, by the end of the day we'll have them talking into going to a good tackle shop somewhere. Uh, wherever they come from and picking up a good medium heavy rod probably six and a half seven foot long deepen up their equipment a little bit absolutely how far how much further up into the year is this going to be viable for uh, for fishing for smallmouth on the new well man i've been looking at the uh, extended forecast and uh if it's anything like a few years ago we was out here sweeping the frost off the boats and still catching 60 fish up around veterans mm -hmm. day so we're just going to keep our fingers crossed and we're going to keep them lines tight. Would it, obviously, the state needs a ton of rain. If we got a ton of rain, would that change things here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything has to do with water temperature and water volume. So uh, somebody far above me and you is in charge of the rainfall mm -hmm. and the precipitation. So we'll take whatever we can and uh, deal with the conditions the best way we know how. How would it change it? Would it improve it or would, it, would the fishing probably turn off? Well, you're, what's going to basically happen as the water temperature starts to drop and the water volumes come up is your numbers are going to drop. But mm -hmm. your size is going to drastically increase. You'll go to uh, days where you'll catch you know, 35, 40 fish on a really good day as opposed to 80 to 150. We had a, a boat on the water yesterday, two seasoned anglers that have been with us for years, and they caught almost 160 fish. 
but then again they've been coming out here and dead sticking with us for 10 or 15 years so uh that that depends on the angler yeah. and the amount of experience but if we get a little bit of rainfall it definitely could affect things especially if the water volume comes up because typically when the water volumes come up the water temperatures go down larry it's always a pleasure to be out here with you my man with the west virginia experience thanks for another great day on the water brother. It was my pleasure. And there is my buddy Larry Nybert with the West Virginia Experience. You can read more about that at WVMetroNews.com on the Outdoors page. We'll be back with Mark Scott, head of fisheries at DNR, talking about the snakehead after this from Ram Trucks, made for those who stand apart. The best hunting dogs are a lot like the best hunting trucks. Loyal, dependable, and smart, like the 2019 Ram 2500. With smart features like an available 12-inch Uconnect touchscreen with built-in navigation, the envy of all truck touchscreens. And with its available Rambox storage, you can lock, store, and load tons of gear in the side rails of your truck bed. And just like your best hunting dog, the powerful Ram 2500 will forge through tough conditions and challenging terrain. See your local Ram dealer for great deals today. I'm Chris Lawrence with a hunting safety reminder from Ram Trucks. ATVs and UTVs have become a popular way to travel to and from hunting spots for West Virginia hunters. However, they can be deadly if you're not careful. Always unload and secure your firearms before you ride. Don't take any unnecessary chances on steep hills and rough terrain. You're a long way from help and often by yourself in the event of an accident. Never share your four-wheeler with another rider and always wear a helmet. This hunting safety reminder from Ram Trucks. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. What's the easy way to combine the sport of hunting and a law firm? In the same commercial, the law firm is the Peyton Law Firm, Tom and Harvey. The hunting means driving to Boone County or Clay, Jackson, Lincoln or Fayette County. Driving means that a not paying attention driver could crash into you. And that means getting Tom and Harvey to get you the compensation you deserve. The Peyton Law Firm, online at PeytonLawFirm.com. You know what time it is. Time to save 50% on gift certificates to your favorite local businesses with 50-50 Friday. This week, get discounts to Fat Albert's Pizza in Ripley. Whether you eat it in, take it home, or have it delivered, a pizza from Fat Albert's Pizza is unbeatable. Fat Albert's Pizza has a huge menu with everything from pepperoni rolls and cheese fries as appetizers to classics like meatball subs and delicious pizzas with endless toppings to choose from. Make sure to try their weekend special, an 18-inch three-topping pizza, family-sized cheese bread, and a two-liter for only $17.99. And for those with gluten allergies, they offer a 12-inch gluten-free pizza. Fat Albert's Pizza, open 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Call in your order today at 304-372-4343 or stop by and dine in at 499 South Church Street in Ripley. Friday at 9 a.m., go to WCHSnetwork.com and click the 50-50 Friday button to get 50% off gift certificates for Fat Albert's Pizza and others courtesy of WKAZ AM, Charleston CSPN, and 580 WCHS. Stay in the loop on national politics Sunday evenings at 8.06 with ABC's This Week. Tune in as George Stephanopoulos and the ABC News team recap the week in Washington, providing interviews with politicians and newsmakers who drive the national discussion. From congressional action to scandals and the Oval Office, ABC News goes behind the scene for the most relevant information to keep you informed. ABC This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Sunday afternoons at 1 with an encore at 8 on The Voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS. West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence, Saturday at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. Presented by the Peyton Law Firm, Harvey and Tom, protecting your rights online at PeytonLawFirm.com. I'll see you.
smoke swamp bottom dew drop falling. Old Tom answer in a hoot. A few minutes left on the show today. But uh, before we wrap up this morning, something that was a high concern that uh, came across the uh, desk this week uh, was the confirmation of a snakehead fish, an invasive species that was caught in the Monongahela River, was not caught in West Virginia waters, was caught in Pennsylvania, but that still is a concern. And Mark Scott is the Assistant Chief for Fisheries at the West Virginia DNR, and he joins us on short notice this morning. Mark, good morning. Morning, Chris. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Sorry to wake you up so early, but I thought this was a pretty important story. We probably ought to get out and t- get out, get up and talk about this morning. How how big of a concern is it after that fish was caught? Well, I mean, the, the best case scenario is it's the only one that was out there, and now there is no more. But uh, you never know. I mean, uh, time will tell. Uh, and it, this is why we passed the law a few years back that. Uh, it's illegal to stock fish in public waters unless you have uh, written permission from the director of the DNR because once you turn one loose, it's like pulling a trigger on a gun. Can't get it back. Yeah, and it's Pandora's box, man. Once it's in the water and they start to proliferate, there's there, there's no bottling that back up. Nope. Nope. So then it's just a way of trying to control them, but you never really get total control of them or eradicate them. We've heard a lot about this thing and it's it's a native of the far east isn't it yeah i think it's originally from china how did it wind up here or do we know i have no clue i have not heard uh probably some idiot decide to be funny and stock fish somewhere <laughs> well this is the first time it's been found in this watershed i think it has been found over in in maryland waters hasn't it oh uh, yeah that there was originally started over there uh the story goes that uh the Chinese, uh, there's a Chinese guy that had a uh, sick sister, and he bought a, a male and a female snakehead and was going to make some kind of soup out of them for her. And she got better, so in honor of her, he released him in a local pond. <laughs> and there, from there, it just they moved and proliferated, and now they're all through the Potomac drainage. Can they move over land? I don't think so. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure about that. And the the problem with them is they are voracious eaters. They do eat a lot. Uh, they're they're predatory fish, and uh, sounds like they they're pretty prolific spawners. Also, what uh, what threat does that pose to the waters of the Monongahela, and I guess even the Ohio River drainage? Well, my hope is that uh, you know our rivers are fairly swift, even though Ohio River has pretty good current to it. I'm hopeful that they they won't find it to their liking. Uh, the places I would see them living, if they did, if there was more than one, they start breeding would be like in the backwaters, probably uh, some of the sluggish, more slow waters. Uh, but hopefully, they won't uh, find our waters to their liking. So they would move up into those tributaries you fear, and I mean, there's plenty of damage they could do up in there as well. Yeah, but a lot of our tributaries there. Yeah, well, I guess like on the Canal River, there's some backwaters on some of the smaller streams there. So, uh, but. You know, they're, think, uh, when, when you think of one, it's probably think like a brown, warm water brown trout that's probably eats as much or more than a brown trout. Their browns can be pretty voracious on a small stream and clear out minutes. So. And the fear is that they would create great competition for food with the uh, with the fish that we do um, love and cherish. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's a, an invasive species, uh, it's going to 
more often than not, it's going to replace something that's going if it's a, a better competitor, it'll kick something out of its niche and, and sort of replace it and take that, that spot in the ecosystem. And, you know, they're going to eat. So, you know, we have some pretty productive systems. So time will tell, you know, that it's kind of found its place in the Potomac and uh, hasn't caused a, a huge, huge issue. But uh, you just never know. Yeah. Uh, have any of them been caught in the uh, in the West Virginia waters of the Potomac drainage? I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I guess if anyone does catch one, you'd like to hear about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of our guys found a dead one somewhere in, in the eastern panhandle. And it looked like somebody bow fished it or something and just trying to be funny and dumped it off an axis site. Mm. But, uh, yeah, there's always, uh, I call them junior biologists, there's always these folks that think they. they can improve a fishery by moving fish around. So. It's against the law to even possess one, isn't it? Yes. Yes, they passed the law again several years ago to, to make certain species illegal to possess. All right. So so if you caught one, suddenly you're possessing it, but you're still okay as long as you call and report and, and turn it over, right? Yeah. If you call immediately and, and say, hey, I got a snake kid, we would want it. So, yeah, we're going to give you permission to hold that fish for us. <laughs> don't, don't catch and release it. <laughs> no, no, no. Catch one, kill it. Yeah, if you, you kill it and then uh, and then hang on to it, get a hold of the DNR. You will not, you, you'll not get a ticket if you just call them immediately and go, hey, I got a crazy looking fish here. They'll, yep. the, the, the natural resources police officer will come and, Thank you kindly. He will not write you a ticket. He'll thank you for uh, for for doing your part for conservation. They're a, they're an ugly looking critter and and pretty prehistoric looking. Yeah, they're similar to. to I mean, they're not in the same family or anything, but they, they remind a lot of people of the bowfin, which is native to West Virginia spots. But uh, yeah, they're they're kind of different looking, a little bit longer. Uh, they can get up pretty large, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and twenties. And like the bowfin, they have that unusual tail and, and, and dorsal fin that don't look like anything else we've got around here. Yep, yep. And they got the big, heavy, heavy bony head. And teeth that look like they could just razor saw you right through the middle. Yep. Just just don't watch the Sci-Fi Channel shows about them. <laughs> you know, they're not quite that bad. Yeah, I don't think they're aggressive enough to take off a human leg. They're not piranhas. But. No. No. <laughs> That was another thing I was thinking about, though, is in West Virginia, obviously, our waters get pretty darn cold January and February, but if, you know, same thing happens in the Potomac, and they seem to have survived over there, so I don't think water temperature is going to have a whole lot to do with this. Yeah, this is a, a temperate fish. A lot of tropical fish are, you know, like prawn and such, they can't survive through the winter, but these, these critters came from northern China and, and lived in areas that got cold in the winter, so... They can survive here. Were they originally created as a is like a as food, like a food source, like a farm raised fish? Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just more aquarium industry. I got you. All right. Well, I uh, I'm sorry to drag you out of bed this morning, but I sure do appreciate you responding and uh, and, sure. and coming on and talking about it, man. Not a problem. All right. By the way, uh, horns down. Have a good day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> See you later, Mark. All right, bye-bye. Mark Scott, the assistant chief for warm water fishing. He'll, he'll be at Mountaineer Field this afternoon. I promise you, he's got tickets. He'll be there. All right. Uh, by the way, coverage of the Mountaineers on Metro News with our Metro News game day coverage comes your way at noon today as they take on Texas 3.30 kickoff this afternoon. The guys are already in the studio in Morgantown warming up. I see them in there doing push-ups. 
All right. Y'all have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week on West Virginia Outdoors. WCHSAM, 96.5 FM, Charleston, and 104.5 FM, Cross Lanes, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station. It's 8 o'clock. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo traveling in Greece but talking about Ukraine. He was asked by reporters if...